0: Well, hey, welcome once again to In the Growth Space, where we discover new ways to grow our business, grow our teams, and grow ourselves. I'm your host and growth coach, David McLennan. I'm super glad that you're here today. And wow, this episode is amazing because I have another incredible guest that's going to inspire you and also give you some great insights on building and growing a company that will make people say, I love it here. He's even written a book with that exact title. Now, before I introduce our guest this week, I have to let you know that this episode is brought to you by the Emerging Leader Inner Circles. If you're an unseen people leader who never has enough time to develop the next generation leaders in your growing company so that you can prevent A-level talent from leaving, this program is for you. It will not only elevate the leadership and growth capabilities of your emerging leaders, but it will also increase your own influence and allow you to be seen as a strategic executive. To find out more, go to the show notes and check out the link for a free download or send an email to admin at and someone from our team will reach out and schedule a time to talk. All right, so now let me introduce you today's guest. Today's guest is Clint Pulver. Clint is a professional keynote speaker. He's an author, a musician, a pilot, and a workforce expert. Known as the leading authority on employee retention, Clint has transformed how corporations like Keller Williams, AT&T, and Hewlett-Packard create lasting loyalty through his work and research as the undercover millennial. He's been featured by Business Q magazine as a top 40 under 40, and as a professional drummer, he has appeared in feature films and on America's Got Talent. In 2020, Clint even won an Emmy Award for his short film called Be a Mr. Jensen, which tells the story of how a single moment in time and one particular mentor can change the course of a life. You know, we talk about his upcoming book called I Love It Here, and that's been endorsed by John C. Maxwell, Daniel Pink, uh, Stephen M. R. R. Covey, and and others. And and when I found out that he was a pilot, we immediately had a connection point. This was such an enjoyable conversation, and I know you're going to love it. Now, I'll be back at the end of the episode for a special announcement, so make sure that you listen all the way to the end for something special for you. Now, here's the conversation with Clint Pulver. Well, hey, Clint, uh, I'm really, really excited to have you here on the podcast in the growth space, and um, welcome. Welcome, man.
1: I appreciate it, David. This is an honor for me. Thanks for having me on the show.
0: I I have to say I don't know that I've ever had an, an an Emmy Award winner on my podcast. Well, I know I have it. So how about that, man? Tell me about that. Let's start there. You
1: know, the the Emmys are, are scraping the bottom of the barrel these days. So <laughs> they'll give an Emmy to anybody. <laughs> so, no, it's just, this. Yeah, it's 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 crazy how it all happened, and uh, it was a, it was a very big honor. Who knew? That's yeah. Oh my mom! Who knew?
0: Who knew? How about that? You got one of those in your closet, man. Yeah, that's that's great. No.
1: My nah. wife can't believe it. Behind every Emmy Award winner, there's a there's a, a surprised wife. She was like, "Really? <laughs> really? I, I'm like, I know, I know. I'll give them
0: that's to so, anybody. I swear." That's so funny. Well, so t- tell me a little bit about your story because I know that you're known as the undercover millennial, and uh, I'd love to just hear like how did that get started. What got you interested in that? And, you know, maybe just kind of let's take it from there.
1: Yeah. So five years ago, I was a part of a mastermind group and we were in New York City and we were meeting with other CEOs, executives on how they created their business, their dynasties, how they functioned, what their business strategy was. And one gentleman that we we met with owned a sporting goods retail store in Manhattan. Mm. And we're in the store, we're talking about strategy and how he's had to change his business model to meet the demands of the marketplace and all of that kind of stuff. And I'll never forget he was this thick New Yorker, had this accent, and was, I mean, grew up like in the city. He he's a great guy. And and I'll never forget, he he looked at all of us and he said, You gotta adapt or you're gonna die. If you don't <laughs> adapt, you're gonna die.
0: All right. And
1: it was a very bold statement. And he felt the need. To change his business strategy to meet the demands of the marketplace. Mm. And I totally agreed with him. Like you have to adapt. The way we do business today versus yeah. how we do business 20 years ago is different. Absolutely. But then I asked him, I, I just was curious. And I said, What about your management style? Mm. Have you had to change how you manage people today versus how you manage people, say 20 years ago?
2: Wow.
1: And yeah. he fired back and he said, Nope. Mm-mm. He said, The way I manage today. Is the same way I managed twenty years ago, and we get results.
0: Oh man! Wow! It was another.
1: It was another like really profound statement, and it shook yeah. me because he felt the need to change the business strategy, but don't change how you work with people. And I looked yeah. in the store, David, and all of his employees these were my age or younger.
0: Ah, okay. So all
1: millennials, all Gen Z. Yeah. And and I just I I looked and I said I wonder if they would say the same thing.
0: Hmm. Yeah,
1: I wonder if they have the same experiences as he does. Mm-hmm. And so we thank the guy for his time. We had about 35 minutes to kill until we needed to be to the next place.
2: Yeah,
1: And so I, just, I had nothing else to do. And I was in my regular clothes. Like I looked like this. I had a yeah. backwards hat on, just street clothes. And I, I walked up to the first employee that I saw and I just said, hey, I'm just curious. Um, what's it like to work here? And yeah. the employee got quiet and they looked around like I felt like I'm doing a, an illegal drug exchange <laughs> and then he said do, do you really want to know and I said yeah I said I'm, I'm just I'm honestly curious yeah and he said I can't stand it here mm. I cannot stand it here he said what we're doing it's literally it's just a job wow It's just a job and I feel like I'm a cog in the wheel I I, I honestly don't even think my manager knows I'm here today
2: <laughs> wow
1: I'm like okay and then I asked I said so then why are you working here and he said, I've already applied to three other places. And as oh, soon as I get another opportunity, I'm gone.
0: Yeah. Interesting. And I thought,
1: well, maybe, maybe, maybe maybe the kids had a bad day, right? Yeah. Maybe he woke up, the wrong, woke up on the wrong side of the bed. And so I went and asked another employee. Yeah. And another, and another. And at the end of that 35 minutes that I had, I interviewed six of his employees. Okay. And at the end of those six conversations, five. Out of the six of those employees said they would not be working for this guy and his store in less than three and a half months. Wow. And it wow. was unbelievable, David, to see the the perception mm-hmm. of what leadership thought was happening in their in their store or in their yeah. business versus the reality of yeah. the employee experience was every day. Yeah. And that was the moment for me that started the undercover millennial program. I realized really quickly that I created an environment where these employees felt completely uh, able to to speak their truth. Yeah. They could be open with me because I wasn't a survey. I wasn't a manager, not a part of the company. I'm another millennial. I I was someone that walked off the street. Mm -hmm. And what they gave me was real. It was honest. It was authentic. Mm -hmm. And it was valuable. I kept thinking Mm -hmm. to myself, my goodness, what if he could know this? Yeah. What if he could hear this? Uh-huh. And that was almost five years ago. And I have now worked with 181 organizations and undercover. I've interviewed over 10,000 employees.
0: Wow. 10,000 employees. That's amazing.
1: It, it has been, it has been uh, one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. I'll never, <laughs> ever, ever do this again. We're still doing it actually, but just the breadth of the research and then writing the book. Um, hmm that, that's what it's all about. And I decided to title the book, I Love It Here, How yeah. Great Leaders Create Organizations Their People Never Wanted to Leave. Because the yeah. magic, David, of all of the research was not when an employee was dissatisfied with their job. The magic was when I would walk up to an employee,
2: mm-hmm.
1: as someone who was looking for a job, I'd walk into a store and I would say, hey, I'm just thinking about applying. What's it like to work here? <laughs> and love they would it. look at me and they would say, I love it here wow <laughs> i love wow. what wow. i get to do and then when that response would yeah. trend in an yeah. organization where most people would say the same thing and then i i that was the beauty of it to figure out what those leaders were mm. doing in those organizations to create that type of a response to yield that type of loyalty from mm. people of all generations boomers right. xers millennials yeah. gen z doesn't matter yeah and uh and that's what the book is about. This is not—it's not another leadership book. Yeah. Written by a you know self-proclaimed leadership expert. This is a leadership book written by ten thousand employees. That's so cool. The leaders were getting it right.
0: Yeah, that's so good. Well, and I—I I have to say, even though it isn't a leadership book, it was. Uh, I don't know if you want to say endorsed by, but at least there was a there was a forward or a a kudos by you know John C. Maxwell himself, you know, arguably the one of the greatest um, leadership authors you know of our day, and uh, and Daniel Pink and Stephen M. R. Covey and you know some other people. So even though it's not a leadership book, there's a lot of leadership in it. I know for sure.
1: Yeah, and I would say yeah, it it is a leadership book. It's just not written by. You know, so me yeah. you know, that that's a. I'm not a leadership expert per se. I'm just another millennial yeah. that took the time to make sure that their stories were heard, and yeah. I think it's a really cool perspective because there's Absolutely. not a like that. We have a right. no book out there that really captures what the employees want in the way that we captured that, that information.
0: Yeah, so yeah.
1: Wasn't through a survey, this mm-hmm. wasn't done through you know fill out this bubble and ask us tell us what you hate about your manager. You know, yeah, you real authentic communication and they didn't know their stories were being told that's they didn't know yeah that they were being heard so we got honesty yeah and it yielded something that's a powerful read it's a powerful experience
0: yeah well and and you know i think that there's something to be said for having a um a a a, a place a space for yes. people to be able to share their honest Their honest feelings, and then have that have that feedback be given to the leaders of the organization. Because if we're doing a 360 um, assessment and 360 feedback, sometimes people aren't honest, and you know we have to have that space to be able to create the feedback. And I think that that's one of the best things I see about your book is to be able to take what these employees have said and feed it back to not just the the leadership of those those organizations but leaders everywhere
1: totally and 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 again it's uh most we found that most employees don't answer a hundred percent honestly on a survey yeah especially a, a feedback survey right because, you know they say the, the the that it's anonymous but right most employees are like absolutely not I'm they am not telling <laughs> just yeah. in case right? right right we're always worried what's on the other side of the survey or I don't know mm-hmm. and so sure you were able to, to capture I, I feel like the most real and authentic
0: yeah what were some of the things that you found that people were saying that really made those employees say I love it here like what what, what was it about those environments because I know we have leaders um, listening perhaps watching that will be um, wondering, hey, how can I get that here at my, you know, my company at, at my organization? How do I do that? So what were some of the things that you found?
1: Yeah. So one thing that was really interesting, and it's the thing that I, 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 the book really has this general theme because it was the most powerful thing that employees talked about when they loved their job uh, versus when they hated their job, the response was completely different about the individual leadership. Hmm. Now, we talk about leadership. Leadership's the number one reason why people stay. It's also the number one reason why people leave an organization. That's right. <laughs> yeah. But I would say that that when an employee hated their job, yeah. when they were dissatisfied, they were stressed, they talked about the manager. Yeah. But when they loved their job, they talked about the mentor.
0: Ah, uh, interesting. Not
1: not not the leader. Yeah. Now most of the time we talk about leadership versus management. Leaders and managers. How do we mm-hmm. become a leader? Not a manager. Mm-hmm. there's this middle middle ground, mm. and I call it mentorship. Yeah. It was not leadership. It was not management. It was mentorship. Yeah. Leadership, traditional leadership, is the person that stands in front and you lead. You are the yes. visionary. Yeah. You don't think of yourself as the CEO. You're the executive. Where are we taking the ship, and how do I get you to follow me? Right. You're a leader if you have followers, and how do we get from point A to point B and make sure that that vision is executed? That's traditional leadership. I'm right. going to lead you. Yeah. Now, management are the people that make sure that there's no holes on the ship, (laughs) (laughs) that the ship can move through the water. They make sure that we're staying efficient and everything's flowing the way it needs to be. But the mentor, the mentor was the person that was taking care of the people on the ship Mm. and not because they were given the title to do so. Yeah. You cannot become a mentor until the mentee invites you into their heart.
0: Oh, uh, interesting.
1: That, that, that is why mentorship was so significant. Yeah. Uh, it was not a title. It could not be given. It could only be earned. You can mm. get the title of leadership. You're a leader. You're in leadership. You're you're, yeah. you're a leader in the organization. Yeah. Your people will decide if you're a mentor. Huh. It has to be earned. Yeah. Be earned. And that's why it became so powerful. And that's why employees talked about the mentor. If yeah. you look at any great story, like a good film, a good play, you have the hero of the right. story. They're always trying to go through a difficult process, trying to get, overcome something. Yep. And then who always appears? Yep. And it's Everdeen, the
0: guide. The guide. The mentor. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, and you know, Luke Skywalker had Obi Wan. Uh, Rocky. Yep. I love Rocky. Rocky yep. had Nick. Yep. Uh, Katniss Everdeen. She had Hamish. Yep. Uh, Aladdin had the genie. Right. All right. Right. Great mentors, and they weren't they weren't necessarily leaders.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They weren't like the you know the front man or someone that's leading. The, they're a mentor. There's a, yeah. di- a very distinct characteristic in that. And we mm-hmm. found in every organization, there's four types of managers.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're going to go, go there. Yeah, that's good. Talk, talk about that.
1: So, in, in, and what was really interesting is there's two variables in, in how we would rate these managers based off of what we would see in the employees. Mm-hmm. And the two variables are the standards of the manager because you still got to have expectations you still got to maintain sure. uh, you know the, the productivity you got to make a profit. you have a business to run right so standards are a part of it. The second piece though was connection
0: mm-hmm. or the
1: lack thereof uh, the yeah. ability to empathize the ability to relate the ability to understand that you've got a job out or a world outside of work mm-hmm. uh, and that there's more to just you know your your work so so standards and, and connection so the first manager that we found was the removed manager.
0: Okay.
1: This is the manager that they're low on standards and they're low on connection. Uh-huh. This is okay. the manager that probably should have stopped managing like 20 years ago.
0: <laughs> they're <laughs> kind tired. of like the guy you were talking about, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: They're, just, they're burnt out. They're disengaged. Yeah. They, they don't really like know who's in the organization. They're just kind of floating back. They're the guy hanging out in the office. Yep. Uh, they're just, yeah, they're, they're removed. And so mm-hmm. what does this create in the workforce? Disengagement. Yeah. My manager could care less if I show up on time. Why should I show up on time?
0: Right? You know,
1: there's no there's no standard. There's no quota every month. So why should I perform? Yeah. So we get this disengaged workforce. The second type of manager that we found was the buddy manager. Mm. This is the manager that wants to be everybody's friend. Ah. Okay, they're really high on connection. Yeah, low on standards. They want to be liked more than they're respected. Yeah. Uh, this was the manager that went and played Xbox on the weekends with their employees because they just – they're homies.
2: Yeah, they're sure. It's yeah.
1: kind of some, some of, of you know, a lateral management type of a situation. Mm. And what did this create in the workforce? Disengagement. Uh, excuse me, uh, not disengagement. Entitlement. 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 Ah, okay. This is where you know the, the the employee kind of goes, oh, come on, we're friends. Oh, come on, come on, come on. It's cool. I, I know I've been late seven times this week, but we're tight, man. <laughs> yeah. how good. And you almost see where the the employees will become more of the boss than the actual boss.
0: Yeah, interesting.
1: There's just that that buddy relationship and it's not built upon respect. Mm-hmm. But the third the third manager, and it's unfortunately the most common uh, that we found in, in our research, and it was the controller. Uh okay. This is that old command and control model of of leadership of management it's the put your head down go to work fear-based management yeah i'm not here to be your friend do your job you Mm -hmm. want to know that i love you i give you a paycheck don't (laughs) mind you know how we used to do it 20 years ago right Uh, they're really high on standards but they're low on connection yeah and what did this create in the workforce rebellion Mm -hmm. rebellion push i would imagine
0: turnover too right
1: oh absolutely huge turnover Mm -hmm. um and this, this was the manager that was constantly trying to go toe to toe with everybody instead uh, of shoulder to shoulder. I love that. And that leads us to the fourth, the fourth manager. And that's what we called the mentor manager. Uh-huh. They were equally high on their standards as much as they were on their ability to connect. Yeah. And this that's great. created respect. Hmm. Yeah. And they weren't always liked. Right. But they were respected. And yeah, it's, a, it's a powerful combo.
0: Yeah. Boy, I can I can see that and I and I know that to be true, you know, in in even just the the work that I've done um with leaders that the, the leaders who are respected the most um are the ones who also are connected and who had that connection. So, what do you think and and maybe you maybe you talk about this in your book, but what do you think you know creates that that mentor manager. How do you, how does someone come from one of those other types of managers, like the guy that you were talking about at the beginning, where, you know, he he hasn't changed his methodology in twenty years. Mm-hmm. What's the what's the growth process there, and how do you get you know how do you get to that place?
1: Yeah, it was so interesting in the research when we would hear about these employees who would talk about why they loved it here, and they would talk mm-hmm. about the mentor. Yeah, oh, my, my, my my manager Susie, uh, she's incredible. Yeah, our our, our 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 boss Phil, and he's just uh, he's just so good. He's the like, and I'm like, well, why, why, why? Yeah. What is What is it about these individuals that that they can they can yield so much loyalty? They have yeah. so much respect that yeah. they have gained from these people. Mm-hmm. And after we studied them and we looked at them, and obviously the ten thousand employees, the hundred and eighty one organizations, we were able to narrow it down to what I call the five C's of mentorship. Okay. And these five C's are what qualifies someone to become a mentor. Okay, it, are, it is the thing that if you're an emerging leader or you're currently a leader, you mm-hmm. need to be thinking about this because mm-hmm. it is the reason your people follow you or they don't. It is the reason why they consider you to be a mentor or just the boss. Uh, <laughs> and we want to be the mentor.
0: Yeah. And
1: so number one, the first C is confidence. Uh-huh. Confidence was a mindset. That was critical in the mentorship process. Okay. I want to mentor with someone who's confident in themselves mm-hmm. and then also confident in the process. Yeah. They're confident yeah. that they can get me from point A to point B to point C and yeah. they know how to do that. Right. Number two, the second reason, the second C is credibility. Mm. What's your background? What's your resume? Like you might be the, the you know, the sales manager at the car dealership, but mm-hmm. have never sold a car. I want to know that I want to study. Where have you researched? Where where have you worked before? Have you grown up in the ranks? What's your credibility? Yeah. Credibility mattered to people. Number three was competence. David, this is so important because competence is what allowed somebody to become a practitioner, not just a theorist. Yeah. I want to, I want to, you know, study basketball from somebody who not only knows the game, but they also get out and shoot a hoop. Right, right. They're playing. They're actively in the trenches. Uh, The best mentors are practitioners, not theorists. Mm -hmm. I want someone that's relevant. Are you current? I think sometimes that's where we find this generational clash with with younger people and older people. Mm -hmm. They feel like the older people aren't in touch. They're not practitioners. They're not competent. You don't even know what TikTok is.
2: Yeah. How are you going to
1: teach me about how to market in Mm -hmm. in 2021?
2: Right. Right, right
1: so competence was a huge factor. Hmm. And then, and then number four was candor. Uh, it's, it's, I love the ability that. To, to, they, they were so good at creating relationships so strong where honesty could exist mm-hmm. that matter. I want to interview and work with somebody and lead uh, and, or excuse me, be influenced by someone who has candor. They can have honest conversations with me. I don't want someone that's always going to tell me, oh, you're wonderful. You were great. That was awesome. Oh, it's fine. You're, you know, we're not performing. It's good. You're doing wonderful. They want the feedback. If I'm going to mentor with somebody, give it to me straight.
0: Right. Right. I
1: also know, and this leads to the fifth C, that you care.
0: Ah, yeah.
1: And you have made, it's it's like a bank account theory, right? They've made the deposits of trust. They've made the Mm -hmm. deposits of care and connection. And they made enough of those that they're able to make the withdrawals. Mm-hmm. They 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 are not the managers that, and there's so many managers that do this. They stand in front of a fireplace and they say, <laughs> "Give me heat, then I'll give you wood. Give me <laughs> heat, then I'll give you." wood. And they yeah. head against this wall, and they realize that every employee is asking this question. Hmm. Let me know when it gets to the part about me.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: That is one thing in my research that we learned is that every person. Is asking the question. Let me know when the mission statement, your 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 business model. Let me know when your quotas. Let, let me know when all of that gets to the part about me.
0: That's powerful.
1: And some people hear that and they go, "Well, those entitled little <laughs> stars in my life." <laughs> right. right? And, and, and I, it's not so much about entitlement, yeah, as it is about good business. Right. It's about connecting with the individual, and if you do not do that, mm-hmm. then go be a solo entrepreneur. But if right. you want to have a business with people, humans, and you want to have a sense of humanity in that business, a sense yeah. where people actually can thrive, they don't just survive. Mm-hmm. You have to connect. Yeah. So those five C's, David. that, love it. Yeah, uh, yeah, confidence. Confidence,
0: credibility, credibility, competence, candor, and care. Man, I, I love those. I I was writing those down as you said them because I I think that's that is so key, and I think there's so many leaders if they want to grow. And obviously if they're listening to this, you know, podcast in the growth space, they want to be in that growth space. They want to be moving from where they are now to this place where they're connecting with people and they're becoming that mentor manager, that leader who really connects with their people. I, I love that man.
1: And, and, and again, it, it's, a, I think it's the beautiful part of management. It's a beautiful part of leadership mm-hmm. that when you realize that you're not just, to to manage something you're actually there writing a story for people's lives like great great mentors are beautiful storytellers yeah not not in the stories they tell but in the stories they help other people write
0: yeah yeah that's
1: uh, they connect people to their dreams that's all a mentor does and and it's significant to that person because that person's asking let me know when it gets to the part about me (laughs) right do that as a leader that you become that catalyst Mm -hmm. because of you they like themselves best. Mm-hmm. Game over. Yeah. Uh, it, it matters.
0: Yeah, that's so good. What are what are some companies that you have been uh, associated with? If you can share, like, what are some of the companies that like do this really well that that you've seen?
1: Yeah, so I have non-disclosures with sure, every sure. Company I've done undercover work with, but there is one company that I've been given permission that I can talk about. And okay, I talk about them often. It's a company called Weave. Okay. And they're a software tech company and they are brilliant. In really? How they create this mentorship type of a culture. Hmm. Um, one thing that was really interesting in how they did, out of all of the people that we have interviewed and surveyed, it was really interesting because I only had one 100% statistic. Okay. Meaning I, I would go in and ask an employee a question and every single employee I asked gave the same answer. Same answer. Okay. of them wow this is a massive company huge tech software company uh beautiful huge building great product lots of people so it's Hmm. not like a little mom and pop start you know there's three yeah no this is this is hundreds and hundreds of employees okay and every one of them got the 100% stat i've always said that in in life uh if we're facing in the right direction all we have to do is keep walking. However, most companies, their employees have no idea what the direction is. Yeah. yeah. Um, when I would go in and ask, this is the other really high stat in our research, when I would go and ask an employee, hey, so like, do you like the mission, like the core values, like the, the, you know, what's the mission statement of the company? Yeah. 95% of employees could not tell me.
0: Couldn't tell you. Yeah. Uh, no doesn't idea. surprise Sorry. me. Yeah. I go,
1: I don't know. I, you know, don't get fired. I do your job. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't, it was something, it was some list that the CEO talked about in like the first quarter, but I don't know. I don't really remember. Yeah. Yeah. But at Weave, but at Weave 100%, every single employee, when I asked, what's the company stand for? Uh Everyone of them said, we're hungry, we're caring, and we're creative.
0: Huh. So they knew it.
1: They knew it because it was simple. Mm -hmm. And they also knew it because it was memorable.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um I think that m- sometimes we create these mission statements our core values these goals and objectives and it's like 54 pages long. <laughs> right. It's paragraph after paragraph of all of these wonderful things mm-hmm. integrity and purpose and drive and motivation <laughs> and creativity and innovation and it's it's great but nobody knows what it yeah. is. Nobody's right. really connected to that. Mm-hmm. And we put so much time and effort into it we know that it's important but nobody remembers it. And and we did something beautiful. They gave every core value a mascot.
0: Huh. Okay. Interesting.
1: So, so for example, so the the sloth uh-huh. was caring. Okay. I don't know, just like sloths they are, right? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> that the, the gorilla was creative. Okay. And the bear was hungry.
0: Interesting. Everywhere
1: yeah. in that office, David wore sloths, bears pictures of gorillas <laughs> uh, I mean everywhere yeah and, and it was it was you could not not know what that company stood for it yeah. was a simple little thing but it was so memorable to everybody mm. and I'd, I'd ask what are, the, what are the core values oh we're hungry caring and creative hashtag sloth hashtag check out the, the gorilla on the wall That's they just knew cool. and yeah. every decision in that company revolved around those three things it was yeah. brought up in the meetings. It was brought up in the agenda. It was brought up. Yeah. Just, everything revolved around that.
0: You know, you, you're you bringing up such a, an important point because I work with organizations in culture. And one of the things that I talk about is repetition. It sounds horrible, but repeti- I mean, you talked about, you know, how do we get good at anything? Like If you want to go, you know, get good at basketball, we go to somebody who is actually playing the game or at least knows how to play the game and still shooting and, yeah. and the f- same thing is true in company culture. If we if we want a great culture, we've got to talk about it. We've got to connect it to our people and we've got to keep it simple, you know, create something that's simple and repeatable over and over and over again. So I love that. That's I think if there's anything that somebody can get out of this, this conversation, it's not only uh, talking about becoming that mentor leader. But it's that too—is—is is create that space in your organization where you 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 create such a simple approach, but people remember it. And and it, what that's going to require, and it's going to sound you know like you're a broken record, but you've got to keep repeating it over and over and over again.
1: And I would add to this too, David. There's a there's a there's a, a there's two folds to this. There's the business side. Uh-huh. You've got to keep the business. Methodology, the vision, all of that simple,
0: it mm-hmm. consistent.
1: But then there's the personal side, and yeah. I found that that employees spelled mentorship, T-I-M-E. Granted, yeah. spell mentorship T I M E. Yeah, but that's how they spell it.
0: <laughs> I love it.
1: And I found that most good leaders, for the most part, they know what they need to do.
0: Yeah. Like
1: most good like they know that they've got to get their quotas here. They got to get the team here. They got to hire the right people. Like they mm. they know that. Yeah. But the great leaders knew what they needed to stop. Uh,
0: Yeah, interesting.
1: Uh, And it was a beautiful thing to watch because, again, connection mattered. Connection does matter. Yeah. how do you expect to connect with your people when you're so busy trying to boil the ocean? (laughs) When you're so busy as a leader doing a million things, leaders Mm -hmm. are brilliant at creating the to-do lists. Yeah. I got to check this off. We got to get this done today. You know, they like Mm. that shot of those endorphins every time we we check something off. Yeah. But the great leaders I found were amazing at creating to don't lists.
0: Oh, man, I love that. The things
1: that they needed to stop doing. They created boundaries. They set aside 45 minutes every day, and they would just walk the halls,
0: Mm
1: go and see the employees. Mm -hmm. They could be doing emails. Sure. They could be doing a zoom call they could be doing a hundred other things yeah but they stopped doing all of that so that they yeah. can connect yeah and yeah. uh it was it was a really cool thing to because employees they didn't talk about how wonderful your business meeting was they didn't mm-hmm. talk about your vision statement and how oh my gosh or, or we killed it in q3 and we grew 4 <laughs> percent last year like nobody talked about that right what they did talk about what were the moments mm-hmm Employees remember moments; they don't remember days. Yeah, and it was the moments where a leader said no to something else, so they could say yes to an employee.
0: I love that. What you know, um, stop y- doing. Yeah, I love that, and 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 I I often will talk about. And matter of fact, if uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you're part of the emerging leader inner circle, you've heard me talk about. What do you need to say no to so that you can say yes to the right things? And I think what you're just um, (laughs) confirming for me in some of the research that you've done is that those great leaders, those great mentor managers are the ones who say no to the things that that can be put off and and say yes to the things that really matter. And that's the people aspect of the business, because that, quite frankly, is what's going to drive results at the end of the day.
1: That's right. That's what empowers people. And an empowered workforce always increases productivity. Yeah. It always increases profit. Right. Yeah. Sometimes we just we don't connect. Again, we're yeah. standing in front of the fireplace and say yeah. heat, hey, then I'll give you wood. It's, <laughs> right it doesn't
0: work that way. Work. Right. Right. Well, and it's interesting, too. I'm, I'm, I just started reading a book um, that made that, that is, it kind of when you were talking about that leader um, of that sports uh, sports sto- store that you you yeah. first went into, it kind of started this whole domino effect. And, and, and this book is called Think Again by Adam Grant. And and it's it's really given me the ability or the the kind of the paradigm to think into what do we need to rethink? In leadership, what do we need to rethink in culture? What do we need to rethink in business? And be willing to to make those changes, especially as the leader. If I'm the CEO and I haven't changed my management style in 20 years, something's wrong, and it's not sustainable. I, you know, I, I I don't think I'm sure you probably saw that as well.
1: Agreed. And we need to be able to adapt. And there's some so many times leaders take this one size fits all approach, mm-hmm. where we read some book or we read a Forbes article and Oh my gosh, you've got millennials, so you got to get the ping pong tables and the the beanbag chairs, and everyone's got to have free Cheetos. And and, then they wonder when they do that, then they still have retention problems.
0: They still
1: have high turnover.
0: Yeah.
1: It's because there is no one size fits all approach to
0: people. Yeah. I, I
1: was, I, I, you, we we talked about this before, David, aviation and piloting, yes. And flying. Yes. In in aviation, every every pilot knows uh, that every plane flies differently. Yeah. Even though it's the same make, it's the same model. Yep. Every plane had its own dynamics. Yeah. Like some would stall at a different speed. Some just move yep. a little bit differently. Some were a little heavier on the left. And then <laughs> and then you add in all the wind conditions and weather conditions and everything else. Yep. Yes, there's a manual. But it will never substitute for actually getting in and flying the airplane. Yep, You have to fly the plane. And it's the same thing with management. It's the same thing with leadership. It's an individual thing. And every individual is different. If we try to do this approach of I'm going to treat my employees based off of the year that they were born. And some survey or study that I heard or some speaker that said that you've got to treat this generation a certain way. (laughs) It will never work. Yeah. It will never work. I am a millennial. And I've yeah. met millennials that are entitled and lazy, and <laughs> all of the things that that we sometimes get deemed as. And I've also met millennials that are incredible, yeah, that are hardworking, that are driven, mm-hmm. and and it all comes down to again, <clears throat> we're all individuals, right? And there is no the one size fits all approach, and that's why I'm I'm always kind of a big proponent of like get rid of the the personality assessments, yeah, get rid yeah, of them. like get rid of them because so many times we use that as a diagnosis.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad you said that. Yeah.
1: And and I I've seen it so many times be a toxic thing in a workplace where it's just this quick hack. It's mm-hmm. this hack method of trying to get to know your people. And right. there is no substitute. It takes time. Yeah. Takes time and you have to always be flying the airplane.
0: I love that. Yeah, I love that so much. And and you know, it's so, so true. Um so, if you were to give some advice, and and obviously we want people to to go out and buy your book because it's 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 great. It's an amazing look at at I think a, a contemporary view of how how we can build culture that really makes a difference in a business and and the people that make it up um, there in their lives. And so we want people to do that for sure. But if you could give people. Um, listening, you know, one, two, three, whatever you want, just some things, some practical steps that they can take to to, to grow in this area and, and really to, to um, move into this um, space where people do love it there and they love it where they're working. How, you know, how would you, from a leader's perspective, and then maybe from that, you know, emerging leader's perspective, if you can.
1: Yeah, great. So I would say if you are <clears throat> the executive or you're the CEO, <clears throat> you're kind of the head leader of an organization, the first thing I would be doing is in your orientation or your onboarding program,
2: mm-hmm. I would
1: be creating an opportunity for you to showcase the five C's of every leader in your organization to mm. those new employees. Nice. I saw this brilliantly in a, in a tech company, uh, not Weave, a uh, totally different organization. And they would do massive onboarding, big orientation hiring sessions. Mm -hmm. And that leader, that CEO, would take time with every manager and his new team members. And he would go individually to each group, and he would just praise that manager in front of the employees. But he wasn't just praising and saying how wonderful he was Mm -hmm. or she was. What he was doing was showcasing the five C's.
2: Uh.
1: He was yeah. letting them know that who your manager is is the guide.
2: Your mm-hmm. manager
1: is your mentor. And I promise you, because they're credible. They have confidence. They're competent. I, I promise mm-hmm. you. They have candor and they also care about you. Yeah. And he 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 showcased it. Hmm. The, the amount of loyalty right out of the gate because it gave it gave those employees the reason to listen.
2: Yeah.
1: They gave those employees a reason to connect. So that's, I believe every good manager deserves to be showcased,
0: yeah, and
1: showcased in a way that shows that they're a mentor. They need to earn that, yeah. but sometimes people just need to be reminded. Yeah, you're the that's person great. that will connect me to my dreams. The and then for the emerging leader or someone that's in the trenches, you're you're actually a, a brand new manager.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Remember when I said every every employee is asking the question. Let me know when it gets to the part about me. Yeah. I believe that if an employee cannot grow in your organization, they will go and grow somewhere else. And we need to really, really think hard about this because 2020 was an interesting year. Everybody (laughs) hunkered down in their job. Everybody held on to their job. It was a time where retention was so high, like record-breaking retention rates because nobody wanted to leave. The the future was uncertain. But I am here to tell you, as someone who has done research during COVID-19 in Q3 and Q4 of 2021, we are about to see the biggest job churn that mm. we have ever seen when it comes to retention and turnover in organizations. Interesting. Why? Because of well, first of all, employees will remember how you treated them during yes. this.
0: Time. Yes. Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. And I have seen some horrible and unfortunate ways that leaders have treated people during this time. Yeah. I've also seen some amazing things that leaders have done to make sure that the people were safe, yeah. to make sure that people felt safe. Right. The empathy that was practiced. The you know people that were dealing with a personal crisis, not just a country crisis or a world mm. crisis. And they will remember when, yeah. when we, when we get through all of this, they'll remember what you did. Yeah. And when we open back up and there's other opportunities, mm-hmm. they're either going to stay or they are going to leave as quick as they can. Right. Because, because everything's changed yeah uh, i can i can work in in new york city and and live in colorado now right, right. Uh, you know and our jobs and how it, they used to be in 2019 a lot of jobs look a lot different <laughs> yeah, and I mean, do. this time period has also given us time it has given us time to think mm-hmm. is this really what i want to do right you know and i learned in an instant that it could be taken away or it could change or you know is this really what i want to do there's a lot of changes that are going to take place and so Hmm. i say that because every employee right now you're really good you're good 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 employees the ones you can't lose they deserve to be asked what i call a status interview
0: Hmm. interesting
1: Uh, we found that great leaders would do this in some way shape or form in different variations but ultimately the goal was to check the status of an individual I came from the medical field, that was my background. I worked in the OR, and the doctors would constantly call out, "What's the status of the patient? I need a status update. Uh-huh. Uh, I need a status check. And yeah. what they were actually asking is, what are the vital signs reading?
2: Yeah, Well okay. the vital
1: signs, right? Your heart rate, your body temperature, your blood pressure, and your respiratory rate. Those mm-hmm. are your four vital signs. If one of those are gone, you're you're, you're not doing very well.. Right. And so the vitals, though, why would they ask about the vitals? Because the vitals determine treatment.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Vitals determine treatment. After you treat the patient, what do you do? You recheck the vitals. Yeah. And treat again, and you continue that cycle until healthy stability is maintained long term.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Every good employee right now needs and deserves a status interview, and the status interview we write about it in chapter nine of the book. It consists of a you know a variation of these three questions. Yeah. And this is what I would be asking every good employee right now if mm. you don't want to lose them in q3 and q4 number one is what can i do to keep you here
0: okay yeah what
1: can i do as your leader to keep you here a status interview should always start with vocal praise mm-hmm. you bring an employee in and you just say hey listen john we need you and i know it's been a rough year it's been difficult but what you do for our organization it's literally uh it's invaluable like i we can't lose you and i want to know mm. what can i do to keep you here yeah. Wow. And some some managers never ask that question because they don't want to know. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I want to be asked for a 20% increase in pay and free ski passes and, and <laughs> you know, the ping pong cables. whatever right. can't do that. Yeah. I, I think that sometimes, you know, we, that age old adage of if you feed a man a fish, then you feed him for a day. But if you can teach him yeah. how to fish, and yeah. you feed him for a lifetime. Yeah. Every time I hear that, David, I'm always like, who said the guy wanted a fish? <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. right. Maybe you wanted, wanted Maybe he maybe wanted a steak, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not really a fish guy. Maybe the dude just wants a steak. Uh, and so the point is, again, asking, 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 because you, how do you yeah. expect to connect and to serve and to help and to get to the part about them when mm-hmm. you never ask what they really want? They are right. coming guns yeah. blazing with these ideas and things that we think employees want when it comes to recognition, but we don't take the time to ask. Now, if they say something that you can't do, look for an alternative. Right? We can't do that right now, but is there something else? Yeah. Or if they ask, you know, uh, I I want, you know, an increase in pay and they honestly haven't maybe deserved that or there's not a, a way to to make that possible. At least you've asked. Right. And be honest about the situation. And if there isn't an alternative, at least you asked. Yeah. Most employers never ask. Yeah. And then the last two questions is what's getting in the way of your success mm. in this company? mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Is it the pay? Is it the scheduling? I mean, do you do you need to take Fridays off? I know you love to go fishing, or I, I know that your wife is she's playing single parent and she's doing she's doing the the teacher at home because everyone's at home school. Like, what do you what what's getting in the way of you being successful? Man, and yeah. then number three is what can I do as your manager to help you get there? How can I advocate wow. for you? Not yeah. just. To help you? Those three questions. What can I do to keep you here? What's getting in the way of the success? And what can I do to help you get there? Every good employee deserves to be asked those three status interview questions.
0: Gosh, Clint, I I absolutely love those questions. I love questions anyway, and those are amazing ones. And they're ones that are a great a great well i would say great coaching questions because they want they want to know their coaching and connecting questions and i love that um so yeah thank you for that wow um this has been an amazing time and i want to be respectful of your time um and and, and i want to first and foremost say thank you for for giving such amazing value for um, this conversation because i've been learning so much just listening to you and, and hearing what you found and what you've discovered in your research and, and and for the book I love it here and and um so I want to just encourage everybody if you're if you're listening to this uh go go buy uh, the book I love it here it's, it's I know it's pre-released as we're recording this um get, give me the details like where can they go get it and when's it released and all of those kinds of things
1: yeah so you can get it it's available for pre-order you can grab it on Amazon just type in I love it here and uh, it releases globally uh April 13th
0: Fantastic, fantastic. Well, um, what's just out real quick? What what's what's next for you? Like after the book is is released, and I know as we're recording this, we're we're kind of making progress on the 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 COVID thing. So you know, are you going to be out uh, doing a book tour? What's you know, kind of what's next for you?
1: Yeah. So uh, book tours are a little bit hard right now still, and yeah, we're we're on that kind of cusp of like, okay, do we do a live event? Do we not? Do we have people gather? Do we not? Yeah. So. Uh, The goal is just to get back out and start speaking again. I mean, that's what I was doing full time before this happened. And so getting out, sharing the message, talking about the book, uh, working with different organizations. We're continuing to do the undercover uh, research. It'll be really fun to do some post-COVID research uh, Uh and see what, you know, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. And then we're also creating a a masterclass series, which is high production. It's kind of like masterclass meets LinkedIn learning. (laughs) <laughs> a 52 video series that we, we work with organizations and every week they get a video from me helping, you know, share some research of here's an idea. Try this this week.
2: Yeah, this
1: is going to help you to create a workplace where people can actually thrive, not just survive. So we're, we're working on that right now. And that's uh, coming out uh, at the end of summer.
0: I love it. I love that. That's that's amazing, Clint. Well, uh, thank you again for for being here. Thanks so much for what you're doing because you're helping organizations really transform and and grow, uh, grow in their idea of what culture you know is and 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 how to keep people satisfied and and help them to be able to be fulfilled because i think at the end of the day you know you talked about what's in it you know tell me when the story gets to me i mean that's what people want they want to be fulfilled they want to be fulfilled in their work and so thank you for all that you're doing uh, i i love what you're doing and i'm so grateful that uh, that we got connected
1: yeah me too david i appreciate it it's been an honor thanks for what you do thanks for having me on the show and i look forward to uh hanging out soon
0: Yeah, absolutely. We'll stay in touch. Okay, my friend. Yeah. Thanks, David. All right. Wow. What an amazing conversation. You know, Clint really shares some great research and and I'd really love it if you would share this episode with someone that you know that it would make a a big impact on. And and while you're at it, go give the podcast a review and a five-star rating so that we can reach more leaders who want to grow their company, grow their team, and grow themselves, and I'd really, really appreciate it. Now, since you've listened here clear to the end, I've got a special gift for you. Clint was kind enough to share a sneak peek at a chapter of his book called I Love It Here that releases on April 13th. Now, if you go to the show notes, there's a link for you to get a copy of that free chapter. So, thanks for joining me again here and Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform that you use for listening to podcasts. We're on on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, all the major platforms. And you don't want to miss the next episode with a great leader who's actually a returning guest. And we'll be talking more about creating a company culture where people wake up on Monday morning excited to get to work. Until then, though, stay in the growth space and be well.